Welcome back to the Electrify podcast, brought to you by the creators of Electrify Expo, North America's largest EV festival coming to a major city near you. Welcome to the Electrify News Podcast, brought to you by the creators of Electrify Expo, America's largest e-mobility festival coming to five major cities in 2022. Hello. Welcome back to the... <laughs> I got to do it every time. Welcome back you to the You have Electrify to do News it every podcast. time. <laughs> it's, the, it, it's the Electrify News Podcast. We're, we're, we're here to have some more entertaining conversations. Again, last time it was a goat. This time it was just more of just kind of a... But we're back. So what are we going to talk about today? I think it's worth noting that, you know, we're, we're recording this on May 19th, 2022. And that date is significant in the world of electric vehicle history because May 19th, 2021 Mm -mm. is when the Ford F-150 Lightning came out. It, that was the, that was the unveiling of the, Hey, the best-selling vehicle in America is going electric. And oh yeah, we're, we're 365 days. Hence, is that right? Hence. Sure. And, and uh, <laughs> where, where are we? They're shipping them. They you are know? shipping them, which if you think about it. So, I mean, where were we a year ago? We had the Tesla Cybertruck. We had the, the Badger from Nikola. We had oh, the, the Bollinger B1, the Rivian R1T. None of these were ready for market. And they were all you know a year away, two years away. And a year later, there's only one that well, you can go out and buy. Well, Rivian, Rivian's delivering. I mean, like, let's, let's be fair. They are. Uh, I've, that's I've, true. I've driven, I've driven an R1T and, it's, and it, it is the real deal. You know, so let's be fair. But that's fair. Gonna, that's fair. I've seen them. Yeah, I would say to the production scale of what Ford, you know, is doing. It's, it's. I mean, frankly, what Ford is doing with the F one fifty is akin to what GM decided to flex their muscles on back in twenty seventeen, which was to say, well, we can build EVs, and we and we did, and that's when they brought the bolt out from concept to production, and then boom, they did it. It was that was that was American manufacturing of, of vehicles saying we know how to do this. Yes. Um, but but in in where Ford has done it so much more comprehensively, in my opinion, is that they didn't just do it with a new vehicle platform just to say, hey, we made an EV. They took their best-selling vehicle and said, we're making it this electric. That is a huge stamp of approval on where things are going with EVs. And they, they have really, they did their homework. I mean, everything from how oh, yeah. the, the frunk works on that thing to the functionality of what it's going to do for people at the work site, uh, the pro version being genuinely cost like approachable for average people. I mean, the platinum version's out of, out of the park with most folks being over 100K, yeah. but, but they did a good job with understanding what their marketplace for that truck looks like. And I think that's a, that's a turning the page. And then to bring it to market in 365 days, there you go. Yeah, I mean, they did a really great job with that. You know, and it, it's funny because they, they changed the message. And I don't want to say that they changed the messaging, right? Because Tesla has never come to market and said, we are the green choice. We're the environmental choice. We're the most efficient choice. They are those things, but they didn't come to market that way. Ford did very much the same thing. They didn't do this as an environmental play. They did this as a capability play. The electric motor can tow more. You can do more on the job site. It can act as a generator. It can support the grid. I mean, it was a real shift in the way that electric cars are marketed and looked at yeah Uh, and and honestly the fact that they're there doing it i think you know we're talking about all these other companies lordstown atlas workhorse all of them that that there's still chatter like you said there's still chatter around them but i think 
the idea that I could go out and buy one of these things at a Ford dealer and get it taken care of at, you know, 3,500 dealerships nationwide with a, you know, international parts supply chain versus like, Hey, maybe these guys are going to make it. I kind of think that that was a nail in the coffin of some of these startups that were building electric trucks. Yeah. It's, it, that's the thing. And that's the truth of it is like once the, it's been talked about for years is once these OEMs that have been building vehicles forever start to genuinely do this with like real money and real strategy oh, yeah. behind it, it's going to change the conversation. I still think though that again, Ford is through their messaging and how they positioned it to your point. This wasn't some like greeny save the planet type approach to which I've always said, it's like, look, if you want to reach the mass market, you, you need to not try the environmental angle from the outset. You're, you're immediately painting a niche yourself into a niche corner. Yeah. But the F-150 is mainstream America. And what, what it's going to prove for a lot of purposes is, is that Ford is genuinely taking the strategy of saying we are a mobility company, everything from how they're even doing their development in the future with, you know, with Model E as their EV wing of their company building out and Blue Oval being what is their traditional you know, you know, uh, combustion ice vehicle development. They're making very serious strides from a top-down perspective to say we're serious. That to me speaks volumes. Um, and so to your point about what does this do for these other startups, I think that, is it a nail in the coffin, like the last nail? No, but the lid is certainly being placed onto the coffin. <laughs> it's a very, it's not nailed in, but it's a very heavy lid. It's a very heavy lid, yeah. So so we'll see, you know, I mean, I think, uh, Rivian, I think is still gonna shine through because it, frankly, if you put an R1T side by side with an F-150, the R1T is, is a more elegant product. I mean, the F-150 is, is, a, is a more rugged product. And I sure, think that but you could say- you could say the same thing about the Honda Ridgeline versus a Ram 1500. The Honda Ridgeline is a more elegant product. It's more refined. It's a little more unibody, a little quieter, rides a little better. But, you know, I feel like the market has spoken and that's not what the truck market wants. I wouldn't, I wouldn't compare. I mean, the Ridgeline is complete. I mean, the, the R1T to me, if you set it up side by side to an, F, to an F-150 Lightning and they're both quad cab, you know, they both have shorter beds, Sure, but the refinement I, I think is more of, you sit like driving the R1T, it's just like, it, this feels more Tesla-esque. Mm. It really, it really does. And whereas the F-150 Lightning, it has a large touchscreen, you know, in the non-pro models, for example, but it's still a truck truck. I mean, right. genuinely, if you look at the interior of that thing, it's just like, you know, this is, this is a workman's truck. The R1T from Rivian isn't, it's, it's more of a lifestyle truck. It's more um, of a lifestyle truck. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. we talk about these lifestyle things and, and motorcycles always comes up when we talk about lifestyle stuff, right? Oh, yeah. Cause like I'm a motorcycle guy and we just always, I always try to find a way to bring it back to that. But <laughs> two, two, <laughs> wheels. <laughs> two wheels, but um, you know, it's interesting because in the, in the last year we've seen the first electric motorcycle from Honda. We've seen the first electric motorcycle from Kawasaki and you know, we've realized now that 50% of the electric vehicles that Harley is selling, and they're all aimed at kids. Even oh, Indian, that's... Indian now has an electric bike aimed at kids. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost like, again, cradle to grave, baby. That's, you, you get them when they're cradle. young. Yeah, yeah. What a great point. Like, I wonder if we're going to see like the 10-year-olds that are riding that Indian now in four or five years, Indian's going to roll out with their big electric motorcycle. Well, they have to be planning for the future. I mean, again, the, the motorcycle industry has had to do a lot of reinvention in, in the last you know, a few decades, especially if you think about the demographics that have made who they are, things are shifting a bit and they have to reimagine how to capture that imagination of, of people that will say, but man, I had, I had one of these things when I was like 
10 and it was amazing and it was fun and it's part of who I am as you know for my nostalgia that's I think a smart play also too it's cost effective from a production perspective is they don't necessarily have to come out with a $50,000 high-end electric motorcycle right yeah and then the battery packs too like you're not you don't need 100 miles of range right it runs for an hour you're gonna that's more than enough for the kids exactly yeah I think it, it really is you know, again, it's it's strategic economically and from a production perspective, but also from a brand positioning perspective and how to engage with uh, you know new types of buyers. I think it's pretty smart. So yeah, and it's and it's it's cheap PR, isn't it? Because yeah, it's motorcycle news, it's environmental news, it's EV news. It's well, I mean, people still love. I mean, you know, act, uh, motorsport activities, right? Um, and yes. it doesn't have to it doesn't have to be a gas powered thing to be in motorsports. And so I think what this right, provides, just has to have a motor, right? Electric motor or a gas motor, right? So I think that what, what this is going to prove out is that the, 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 the companies that have done motorsports well and, and have been enthusiast based, you know, they, if they start to make these pivots and these moves in a way that's strategic, again, these are not going to be hit a switch overnight. They're a pure electric company, right? That's just not how it's going to go. But as even with Ford is proving, if they have the courage to say we have the confidence in our brand and our technology to get people into our flagship products mm-hmm. that speaks volumes in the same way with these motorcycle companies is to say, we know we can create a, a brand new type of buying demographic for years to come because we gave them something that was really fun, but a little different. And we know we can do it effectively. It's just, it's, it's your point. It's, I mean, it's free PR to a sense, but it's a good move. Um, I was impressed to see that actually. Yeah, I, I was too. And I, I think, you know, we talked about this on an episode where Chris was speaking. Um, you know, hi, Chris. The producer. Hi, Chris. <laughs> like, right now, he's and right now. Yeah, he's like got he's duct tape in a corner. Like he's not speaking today. <laughs> You're not allowed to talk when Matt's on anymore. He's mumbling like, it's like, that's fine, Chris. We know. But, you know, he made a good point that a lot of the kids growing up now, like especially my younger kids, they're never going to experience an internal combustion vehicle. Oh. Like for, for the most part, like, you know, their, their little mini bike is going to be electrified. Their first car is going to be pure electric, if not a PHEV. The car that they're going to buy for themselves when they finally start making money is going to be electric. It's not even going to be a question for them. Well, yeah, it's, it's going to be built into, <laughs> it makes me kind of chuckle and think about it though, because I'm like, well, hey, man, let's, we can't forget about power wheels. I mean, technically there's a lot of, a lot of electric vehicles out there that kids started with, you know, they just, they got, you know, they got shoved into the combustion world. Yeah. I'm just saying. What? Wow. I mean, what a complete, like my, like my mind just exploded. (laughs) Like, wow. Yes. The first car I drove was a power wheels, electric car. I'm just saying. Oh man. I think but it was it was Bigfoot. It was the blue Bigfoot. Ooh, that's a good one too. No, no, I remember, I, I, yeah, it was a good one. Yeah, go. One, one of my neighbors. I mean, she, yeah, she had like the, you know the, the Barbie one with like the pink wheels and pink body. It was, I, she had like the Corvette. Yeah, that's the one like, I wanted. Yeah, I was, <laughs> yeah, I was like, it's cool. I got a truck. I want the vet, man. You know. So no, but yeah. I think that it's funny that the, this type of conversation has actually existed for decades. It's just that there was no graduation into the next version of what someone could grow into for an electric vehicle, right? Right. Well, there and, was the IMEV. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like we didn't really have, uh, and, and even then it was like, I went from my Power Wheels to a Mitsubishi. It's like, no, no, bro, you need to have like. <laughs> this was still a Power Wheels. <laughs> yeah, still a Power Wheels. But 
but I think that what we're seeing is that because of how the tech, the people that are harnessing the technology, and frankly, this is what's so cool about the about Electrify Expo, you know, as a as an event. I mean, not just us talking about it as news, is that is there are so many touch points along the way of how you can engage with with electrified mobility, and these these longstanding brands that are creating, they're planting the seed, and it's such a neat thing to seed. see. So. Yeah, it's all, you know, and you want to talk about a longstanding brand. I mean, everything you just talked about is, is could be a segue into what we're going to talk about next, right? You're talking about brands that understand motorsport, brands with an enthusiast appeal, brands that are looking at different ways to engage electrification. Yeah. Bentley has oh. just announced a 1500 horsepower, 1.5 second, zero to 60 luxury cruiser. And like, if you want to talk about a brand that in the 80s and 90s and into the early 2000s really was just a trim package on a Rolls Royce, but, <laughs> but persisted solely because of, you know, the enthusiast market. Oh, yeah. You, you got to talk about Bentley. Well, and honestly, I, I, I'm like, why did they only go for 1500 horsepower and 1.5060? I mean, they could have done yeah. something, something so much more impressive. Like, I, was, <laughs> I seriously read that headline. I was like, oh, my God. Like that's gonna, I mean, 1.5 zero to 60. I mean, again, Bentleys are also not small vehicles, right? I mean, this is no, yeah, th this is, I'm, I'm very excited to see how this ends up like coming to life because there's, there's no way that it's going to do that on DOT tires, right? Like may, okay. You put oh. some slicks on it. You take it out to a prep track. You got simple green all over the tires. <laughs> exactly. Sure. Sure. 1.5, maybe, yeah. yeah, but like, the one that you pull up next to at the, you know, at the stoplight in front of the Piggly Wiggly, that one's not going to do zero to six point five. It's only, it's only going to be like two point one. I mean, and then it's like, yeah, you know. and then it's well, I, I mean, at that point, you're just riding with the rest of the poor's. Right. It's like, why would I have done this? No, but I, <laughs> exactly. I, I'm, I'm so excited to see that again, enthusiast brands that people are again, these are pinnacle products that people have have looked at and said, if you drive that thing, that is special. And for them to say, well, it's not only going to be the brand that's special, but it's going to suck all the blood out of your face when you floor it. <laughs> right. and, and it's going to break dinos when you put the vehicle on it. I think that that's where it, we got to see it come to market. Like you said, like, you know, wh where's the asterisk next to some of these claims? But it's not like it's going to be that far off either. It's not going to like disappoint. These are brands that put a lot into time of making sure that when they say they're going to do something, they they get close or they hit it and it's going to be right. Yeah, and keep in moments. mind, the people that are behind this thing are the, the guys behind the Bugatti and Mate yeah. Remac, like Mate Remac himself is working on this car. Well, when you get into the details of yeah, where some of these you know, new ideas are coming from, it's some of this is startup related and like with Remac, especially and the, and the role that that brand and, and, and the, the, you know, the brain trust behind what made that brand possible is now getting into these legacy brands. Yeah. It's, it's going to, it, it is the chap, the new chapter. Yeah. It's, it's the turning of the page for some of these. And, you know, and I'm, I'm still the person to say, I think there's a place for gas powered motorsports, you know, like in, you know, in the future. It's, yeah. Well, in the same way that there's a place for horse racing, even though it, none of us ride horses anymore. I got to say though, watching the Kentucky, <laughs> Kentucky Derby this year, uh, rich strike <laughs> from the back. I mean, that's who's going to be the automotive brand that shocks people that way. Where it's like, <laughs> they were so quiet doing nothing. And all of a sudden they're going to unveil this EV that's going to like blow people's minds. I mean, I, 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 I got to tell you, if we're, if we're going to play the prediction game and, and I already, I already published this article. So like, Ooh. it's on truth about cars. So like you can go and read it. Um, 
I, I think the brand that is the sleepiest, quietest brand that has the potential to like really wake itself up and blow everybody away is Infinity. I think a, mm. a, a new Q45 aimed right at the Tesla Model S and the Lucid, but it's a Q45. It's got semi-active suspension. It's a true sports sedan, the way the first Infinities were. And yeah. it weighs a thousand. And it, it does away with giant range. It doesn't have big range, but it charges very quickly. So yeah. you like have a you know 800 pound weight weight advantage over the Lucids and the EQS and make that thing really hustle. And I, I think it would blow people away. However, comma, <laughs> so, however, the fine comma I, I don't actually think Nissan cares about infinity enough I was to about, put a dime into it. I was about to say that. I said everything I hear you saying, I'm like, oh, I don't disagree with that, except for the parent company has to have the will to make that move with that brand positioning and, and making a product like that. And I agree with you in the sense that there, there's, a, there's an opening and an avenue for you know, the the industry has known for a while that, you know, that we have to get the charging right. And when you commented on saying it doesn't necessarily have to have massive range, it just, if it charges fast, then this vehicle is the weekend warrior for the person who's like, I'm going to go out and just shred this thing and it's going to be fun, you know? And that doesn't necessarily mean that it needs to have 400 miles of range. It could have 275, but still charge at, you know, level seven, get back on the road in 15 minutes speed. And it's like, yep, that's, that's, that's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. I, I have to say, as soon as I mentioned charging, I was like, Oh, I don't want to agitate Matt. I know he's having a rough day <laughs> with the charging. Oh, well, it's, there's a lot happening in the space that is still proving that um, yeah, we, we've got a lot of different ideas coming to the table on how to move forward. And on the receiving end of that is the, is the consumer and drivers. And there's still a need for better consistency, better simplification, better user experience uh, focus. Um, it will, that I think is still gonna shake out a lot of these brands, to be honest. We can see some great vehicles come to market, but if they don't have that part solved, then it's still gonna be problematic. That's true. But I think, you know, I, I, some people are doing some things right. Like I really like what Electrify America is doing by putting solar panels up and kind of charging yeah. themselves after hours on that. Um, well, I, th I, I, think I think it's interesting. Well, I think, no, again, these are the hard part about charging. I mean, we don't need to go too far down this rabbit hole, but we're still in that place. We're getting it in, getting it deployed, getting it installed, getting it up and running and functioning. There's a lot of red tape that goes along with that. I mean, it, it's, it's going to still be something that will take some time to get to weed through some of the bureaucracy to more effectively and easily get stuff installed. And that's what, you know, the NEVI program from the federal government is designed to create some you know, checks and balances against how that can be done state to state. So hopefully that helps um, because at the end of the day, the driver's on the receiving end of that. It has to, it has to work effectively. And I think, I, I mean, I'm, I'm still very happy to see that compared to five years ago, the conversations we're having now are, you know, like people that have been in the industry for a long time are drooling with excitement over the fact that we were actually having these conversations combined with the cars that are coming to market. Yeah. So I was yeah. having a conversation with uh, actually a kid named Scooter, a kid, he's in his thirties, I think, but his, <laughs> I know it's getting bad. Little whippersnapper. <laughs> no. But uh, this guy, Scooter Dahl from Electric, really cool guy. I met him at the ACT Expo, ACT Expo mm -hmm. in California. And we got to talking about, quote unquote, the old days in the 90s when, <laughs> well, but no, because think about it, 
U.S. electric car was converting Mosler's Consoliers into electric cars while I was working at Mosler in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that became something else, which then sold IP to someone else, which then became Tesla with J.B. Straubel, who had a much better idea of using these laptop batteries. And then, you know, Elon bought into that and started. And it's just like, I have been in this 25 years and to go from a theoretical conceptual conversation where, you know, guys like Jim Quick are sitting there talking about, well, we should have a big electric motor for high torque and then use a little engine as a generator and literally sketching it out on a notepad to the biggest, hottest selling car in the world right now is the F-150 Lightning, which is fully electric. Mm-hmm. In the course of my lifetime, I, I, I got to imagine it's like those people who were born in like 1895 who saw are old enough to remember the first Wright Brothers fly and then also <laughs> still saw alive Neil, when we land on the moon, right? Yeah, saw Neil Armstrong walking on the moon. No, it's, I, I don't know if it's that level of amazing. <laughs> but it, it's not it's that level of amazing, but like, you know, if you like drag racing, it's pretty cool. <laughs> oh, no, like, well, exactly. Well, the, the thing is, is a lot of people that have understood how you know, for example, electric motors work and how the torque works and how that can be leveraged. This isn't, this is not a, you know, an unknown thing. This has been around for decades. It was really, how do you leverage creating the right amount of energy into a battery that could make that actually not a one pass wonder, you know, like, yes. you know, and that's where we've finally gotten to for the technology inside the batteries. Um, Cause the electric motor has been waiting to be leveraged for that for ages. Yeah. And that's where it's, it's interesting because even it makes you think about like where some of these product designs and product development have gone is that's why I think, you know, plug-in hybrids are still such a functionally useful product to most people. If you, especially if you have a home and you do most of your daily driving around town and in the city, you're going to use your electric you know, motor and your battery for the bulk of your driving. But that gas motor takes over for your long trips. But understanding that, that use case has still become very difficult. And I think it's interesting how we're seeing certain brands just say, we're just going to go pure electric. We're not even going to like dabble in that space anymore. And I'll be curious to see how that ends up working out. Um, yeah. Because- and it, 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 because it is a confused message, right? Like, are we pro electric? Are we saying that EV doesn't work? And just about everyone I know who buys a plug-in hybrid, their next vehicle after that is a pure electric. Oh, totally. That's it's the lily pad car, right? You're jumping. Lily- <laughs> it, totally. That's what I say to people all the time. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, it's your lily pad car. You just go to the next lily pad to get across the pond. Yeah. And I think, you know, and that's what my family did. I mean, literally, we, we went from a, a gas-powered, you know, pure just gas car to a hybrid to a plug-in hybrid. And when we did that switch and we realized because we have a garage, it's like, man, 90% of our driving is always on electricity. That's, you no, know, that's the differing element between a homeowner and someone who might rent or street park. That's the use case difference, right? Yeah, um, yeah exactly. But, brand, but brands like, I mean, Volvo is a good example where they have pure electric options. <laughs> They have you know, the C40, they have the XC40. And again, those are both great EVs, but they have also, ex- they've expanded on when they said, we're going to really you know, make sure that our plug-in options are solid. They now have longer yeah. range versions for, pure, for driving on electricity with their plug-in hybrids. Right. Well, so- interesting you bring up Volvo because for 2023, you cannot buy a Volvo that is not a hybrid or a pure electric. Right. It's, 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 I, it's phenomenal. Well, I, they're, they're living up to, to, you know, the announcement they made a, f- a few years back saying we're not going to be developing any more, you know, pure, just, you know, gasoline. Yeah, technology. they were the first ones in 2017 to say that. 
It's tough because there's some people who've echoed something similar, but this is where, and there's other you know, people in the EV space that, that were like, hey, let's be honest to consumers here, is, is saying things like, we're only gonna build electrified platforms. That, you know, to me, electrified means I can drive on electricity. That's what yeah. it means to me. Well, but that's, and, but that's true of their lineup. It, well, it's, it is true. Some others are mentioning the electrified language, but it's- <laughs> The electrified Corvette, for example. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll see what that pans out into being, you know? I mean, but that's where I think it's, it's, it's important to you know, differentiate what we're talking about. Just simply saying the word electrified doesn't necessarily mean you're, you're driving on electricity. It might just be that it's part of the powertrain that's kind of tucked away. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, regardless of whether we're talking about a plug-in hybrid, a lily pad car, or a pure EV, you're going to be able to drive all of those at the Electrify Expo events. We're coming up on uh, Long Beach, California is going to be the kickoff for the 2022 season. Mm-mm-mm. That's going to be June 3rd, 4th, and 5th, where you can meet the delectable Joe Boris, but not Matt Teske, who <sighs> is not going to make it. I love how you keep rubbing it in. I do love me some Long Beach, you know. I, uh, I, do, I do, I do. Uh, but I mean, who am I going to go get grilled cheese sandwiches with? I, that actually is a very good question. Well, <laughs> we, 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 I did take you to Wahoo's, though, when we were there. Oh, that was great. Year. Wahoo's was good, man. That was the highlight for me. So I'll, free, I'll hit that again. Free plug for Wahoo's. There you go, guys. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, guys. So once again, thanks for joining us on the show. Uh, next week, we're going to talk a little bit about the new energy, NIU energy scooter that we've got to review. Oh, yeah. Um, but not this week. Thanks for listening to the Electrify News Podcast, brought to you by the Electrify Expo, coming to five major cities in 2022. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for all the latest in e-mobility news and updates. Thanks for listening to the Electrify Podcast, brought to you by the creators of Electrify Expo. Be sure to catch full video episodes on YouTube at Electrify TV. And... Follow along on social media for daily clips and more.